Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Amen. Praise God. Tonight, I want you to turn to somebody and tell them, love you some you. <laughs> Matthew 22, verse 37 says, Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as what? As yourself. You shall love your neighbor as your... The, the standard doesn't say as you love God. Isn't that interesting? It doesn't say you shall love your neighbor as you love God. It says you shall love your neighbor as yourself. In Galatians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul says, For you, brethren, verse 13, Galatians 5, 13, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty, only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another, for all the law is fulfilled in one word. Remember Jesus said, this is the first and greatest commandment, love the Lord your God, and the second is like it. And then Paul shows us that really it's even this one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You shall love your, it sums it all up. All the law, think about it, is fulfilled in this one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So how do you love your neighbor? Well, you help them, right, when they need it. You, you look out for them. You, you wish them well. You pray for them. And how do you love your neighbor? This says you love your neighbor as you love yourself. So if you don't love yourself well, then you can't love your neighbor well. That's why I've titled this message, Love You Some You. It's important that you love you. Why is it that people have a hard time getting along with other people, you know? How come there's, there are dads who aren't that great of a dad or husbands who aren't, you know, great husbands or wives that, well, that's impossible. All wives are great, right? So we'll just forget that, but... Love yourself, and that will help you to love those around you. This is what the standard here that the Word gives us. Because we love others as we love ourselves, uh, too many of us don't love others very well because we haven't learned to love who we are. So if you love yourself, you'll be a better father or mother, brother or sister, husband or wife. Be a better friend. You won't... You know, you don't treat anything that you despise um, well. If you despise it, you're not going to give it the right treatment. You're not going to honor it. If you think it's junk or you'll, it's worthless, you know, you'll just throw it in the corner, throw it in the garbage, whatever. You couldn't care less what happens to it. But if you think it's, you know, special. When my kids were growing up, everything they had was special. Anybody else have kids like that? Am I the only ones? I could go into Dylan's room. Look in his closet, and he's got a wadded-up piece of notebook paper in the corner. I go to pick up, throw it away. Dad, don't throw that away. That's special. I said, yeah, I see. You treated it so specially because it's so special, wadded up in the corner. Everything they had, you know, was so meaningful. But if you love or value something, then you will treat it as such. You know, you'll protect it. You'll cover it. You put it in a safe, whatever it is. Put it, put it in a frame or something under lock and key. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2 for a moment, verse 20. 
Are you guys out there still? Yes. It says, but in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Now, just before this, um, the Apostle Paul says that there's this foundation that's been laid. And on this foundation is that, um, that the Lord knows those who are his and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. This is on this foundation. And so then he talks about this great house. And these vessels are in this house, some of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Now, you might make the mistake if you stopped right there to think that some were made that way. Some were made for honor, some were made for dishonor, especially if you lean towards Calvinism in any way, and hopefully you don't, but um, that this is the way God made you. But we have to keep reading. Come on, tell somebody next to you, keep reading. This is how we understand the scriptures if we just keep reading, because if we don't keep reading, we start getting funky. We got to start getting funky ideas, you know, fouled up thinking and believing. But therefore, look, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, all right, that is, what's the latter? The wood and the clay, the dishonor. He will be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. So notice this. This is what's interesting. All of these vessels belong to God. They're all in the house, aren't they? But some of them, he can't use. It's not because he doesn't want to, and not because he doesn't have a plan and a purpose to, but because some of these vessels have made themselves useless. And the master wants to use every vessel. He wants every vessel to be a vessel of honor. But it says that this responsibility is on the vessel itself, isn't it? Let him cleanse himself. Well, how do you do that? Well, haven't you been cleansed from all your sin? Yeah, you have been cleansed from all your sin. He did that. Amen. But there comes a point where a, a responsibility to let the fruit of holiness be known in our lives because of the righteousness of God that we are. But you can still do deeds in the body that aren't pleasing, can't you? I mean, nobody here does, but I, I heard about other people that go to other churches that really struggle with that. But I know none of you guys do that. You're perfect in every way, for sure. But God is the one. Think about this. But here's, here's where the devil plays the game with us, is that he tries to get you mixed up when it comes to your value and your usefulness. And so he likes to kind of just make them the same thing. And they're not the same thing. At all. You're in the house, which already says that you're already valuable to God. You may be useless, <laughs> but you're valuable to him. Amen. I love this. This is how amazing his grace is. See, God determined your value, right? What were you worth to him? What were you worth to God? You were worth the death of his son. He was willing to pay the highest price in giving everything he had. Jesus wasn't just the best thing God had. He was everything God had, right? This is your value. And, and so the enemy 
does not want you to know that because when you really truly wake up to your value, guess what? You'll be useful. You'll want to become useful. You will do what it takes, amen, because you want to be a vessel of honor in the master's hand. This one who has valued you so much and willing to do what he did. He so loved us that he gave us Jesus. Well, what can we do in response? Well, we can't fully repay, as Alex said earlier, but we can present our bodies as living sacrifices to him, holy and acceptable to him. And the Bible says that's our reasonable service. That's the reasonable thing to do, isn't it? It's the reasonable thing. You determine, though, how useful you are going to be for the master. Amen. So never confuse your value with your usefulness. But you will render yourself useless if you don't accept and love the value of being you. Maybe you struggle with that. Maybe you're here tonight and you struggle with that. You struggle with loving yourself. So maybe, uh, you know, you try to be like somebody else so that you can love yourself. If I could just be different or if I could be like so-and-so, you know, then I could love myself. I, I was having a discussion with a, a man several years ago, many years ago. He called, he called me. I love this guy. And he said, he said, I just need to just talk. He said, here I am. He said, I'm a grown man now. I've known him since we were kids. And, and it wasn't Stephen, so just so y'all know. But he said, I, I've been hanging out with the same guy since high school. He said, I've, I, you know, you and your brother and your sister, he said, you're all married and you're, you got kids and you're serving God. And he said, I'm still single. I'm still playing video games, you know. This is what he's telling me. He said, this is, I'm doing what I was doing in high school. And I don't know what to do. And so I asked him, I said, well, are you, are you going to church? Are, are, you, are you connected, you know, that way still? And he said, no. He said, I went a couple of times in the last few months, but it's hard to go once you've been away for so long. So I said, okay, I understand that. But isn't it more difficult to stay miserable, regretful, and aimless? And I told him, I said, listen, man, I'm not in the ministry because I'm a pastor's son. I'm not, I don't have a, a wonderful marriage and wonderful kids because of that kind of thing. This is, I, I mean, I have friends that are pastor's sons and they're not serving God today, right? I didn't give them an automatic to a great life. And I'm not where I am because I'm living the life of Riley. I told him, you know, I didn't get all the breaks, but I found that my life as a believer thrived because I planted myself in church. That's one of the things I'm grateful for that my parents instilled in me. That Because something about knowing that Sunday's coming, it's hard to stray very far. Knowing you're going to be in church. Right? It just kind of gets you recentered again, gets you grounded, kind of reset. Come on, am I talking to you tonight or am I standing up here like an idiot all by myself thinking this way? Y'all are like, who? This guy's our pastor? <laughs> but really, I'm, I'm serious. Just knowing that I would be in church, it was hard to, to, to really go that far because the church kept me grounded 
And, and, and I noticed that the longer I stayed, the better my life was. Hmm? I started thinking about what church has meant to me. I got married in church. I mean, it's like the most special day ever next to your salvation, right? Got married in church. I dedicated all of my children to the Lord in church. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit in a church. I was saved in a church. I mean, the big moments in my life I found happened in church. Some of my greatest friends I got in church. So I just told him, I said, listen, bud, I I said, I'm no better than you. We're the same. We're both joined to the Lord. We're one spirit with God. So as far as I can see, you're trying to function as a part of the body apart from the body. And no wonder you are where you are. Get back in church, man. Just start there. You don't know what to do. You're calling me. I'm going to tell you, get in church. And I'm not saying that everybody that goes to church never has issues, Lord. I'm saying that, I mean, I'm saying that about our church, but obviously. Think about it. And I've told you this before. Luke 4, 16, let's bring this up for, for just a moment. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. Who do you think that is? Yeah. Hey! When in doubt, Jesus is the answer. And as, look, as his custom was, he went into the synagogue. I mean, if anybody is too spiritual or or spiritual enough that they don't need church, wouldn't you think Jesus would qualify for that? Huh? I am the church. (laughs) I mean, but, but he came here, and he came here as our example, and he had a custom he wants us to look at. He had a custom. He, Jesus himself, went to church, as was his custom. Look at this in Acts 17, 2. Then Paul, as his custom was, went into them, and for three Sabbaths reason with them from the Scriptures. Paul, the greatest uh, Christian probably that ever lived, the apostle of the Gentiles, here, guess what? He has a custom. Good, healthy customs make for stability and growth. You ever heard the saying, compare and despair? Comparing yourself to someone else you know, usually means that you imagine that this other person is better off somehow or more satisfied with life, in a word, happier, right? There, here's the problem. You end up comparing what you know about your life, which is, you know, a mixed bag of good and bad. And you, you compare it with some kind of fantasy of somebody else. Uh, they're maybe they look like they've got everything together. They've got the perfect life. Why is it that we do this? Why is it that people do it? Because because we know all about our own problems, right? But other people's problems are harder to see. As a result, our, you know, real life loses out. And that leads to despair. Besides, There's probably, you might not know this, but there's probably somebody comparing their life to your supposed perfect life. So you really see how ridiculous it all is. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, we walk by faith, not by sight. It's not how I see me then that determines my value or the reason I should love who I am. 
God has said who I am. I'm obviously going to see more flaws in me than I see in you because I live with me. Right? You see more flaws in you because you know you. But you walk by faith. That's, that's what we do. That's the, that's the glory of the Christian life. We walk by faith, not by sight. And further down in that same chapter in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Old things are gone. Behold, all things have become new. Now, I want you to understand something. This is coming from the Apostle Paul, who had a pretty amazing testimony, all right? Paul really got this revelation because I think he personally experienced it in his own life and truly believed it. I want to show you something right quick. I won't keep you much longer. Acts 22, look at verse uh, 17. Acts 20. Now, it happened when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple. This is Paul giving testimony. He's, he's, these Jews have been tearing him limb from, from limb, and so these, this soldier has to come and rescue Paul out of this rioting crowd, and, and they're trying to get him up these stairs away from the mob, and as he's going up, he asks the soldier, he said, can I please talk to them? And so they kind of get up a way out, you know, up from the people. And so then the, the soldier allows him, and then Paul speaks. He starts talking, and he's talking in, his he, in Hebrew tongue. And, and they all get very interested when he starts talking to them in their language. And so they, they quieten down. So then he's giving his testimony right here. He says, Now it happened when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple that I was in a trance and saw him, Jesus, saying to me, Make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly, for they will not receive your testimony concerning me. So I said, Lord, they know that in every synagogue I imprisoned and beat those who believe on you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I was also standing by consenting to his death and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Those that were throwing the rocks at Stephen, Paul was holding all their coats and consenting to him dying. Now, that's a strong admission there, isn't it? He's saying, I was in part in this. I was part responsible for what happened to Stephen. Look at Acts chapter 20. Back up two, two chapters to verse 26 through 27. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. But what about Stephen? Hmm? Isn't that amazing? I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. And here's the counsel of God. This is so wonderful. Look at verse 32. He's, kind of, he's giving some last greetings to the people in Ephesus. He says, so now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Paul could say that. Why? Because of the grace of God. Because the old things really are God and the new things have come. Amen. You are a new creation in Christ. Say that. I am right now a new creation in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. See, when we walk by faith and not by sight, we truly see ourselves as that new creation. We understand that we're being renewed day by day as we walk this walk with God by faith. You know, God never gets old. He is ancient, right? The Bible calls him the ancient of days. 
Huh? Isn't that something? And yet he's not old. He's an eternal spirit being. He doesn't grow old. He's always been. Before the seconds of time ever started ticking, there was God. And when the last one ticks, when time is no more, there's God. Hallelujah. The ageless one throughout all the ages. Remember when he told Moses his name, I am. He is right now. God is eternally now. Woo, I love that. Very present help. We walk by faith because faith is now. See, faith connects us to the now God. Right now, in this moment, he's right now in this moment with you. Now, right now, he is for you. As we were singing, I love that song. He is for you. He is for you. He is for you. Not just was or, it or will be, but is right now. Amen. And faith sees you, helps you see you in him right now. Maybe tonight you just stop judging everything about yourself. Condemning, fretting over your flaws because in him you are a new creation. And lastly, 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. All of the self-loathing and self-condemning and fault-finding can just go away. Just go away because you are not who you used to be. I don't care if who you used to be was funky walking in that door tonight. Huh? Coming here with a funky attitude. Maybe you had a fight with somebody on the way to church or you had a bad day, you know, whatever. But listen, that was then. This is now. All right? I said, that was then. This is now. Because you, you might not fully see who you are yet, but you're not who you once were. Amen. And by the grace of God, you are who you are. Hallelujah. Keep walking by faith. And love yourself so that you can effectively love others. Amen. Faith helps you see you as God sees you. So sometimes you just need to get to know you again. <laughs> I believe the more that you know you, the more that you'll love you. The truth is you won't really know you until you know him because he's made you like him, right? So know him and then know you. And then when you know you, guess what? By him, then you'll love you more and then you'll love others better. So I just want to remind you today that you are who God says you are. You are loved by God, right? I said he knows everything about you and he still loves you. So let's, let's, let's get on his side of this deal. Hmm? He loves you. You are more than conquerors through him who loved you. Huh? You are righteous. You are holy. Amen. You are blameless, the Bible says. Oh, Pastor Eric, I don't know about that one. There's a lot of blame that I, I, uh, I, sh I should be taking on. I, I, yeah, no, no, he says you're blameless. Hmm? You're the body of Christ. You're children of God. You're the redeemed. You are a saint, no longer a sinner. Huh? You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You are the living stones being built together in the house of God. You are the children of Abraham. And if you're a Christ, then you're Abraham's seed, and you are heirs according to the promise. You are Jesus in this world. Hallelujah. You are favored by God. 
You are healed by God. You are anointed by the Holy Spirit of God. You are free, praise God. You are powerful because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You are right now one spirit with Almighty God. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen. I heard a preacher separate the two once. He said, some of you fearfully, some of you wonderfully. But, well, <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> it's all to get fearful. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. I just <laughs> You are... You are God's own masterpiece. He made you uniquely you. You are the church of the living God. And your tongue has its own unique print, hallelujah, on it. Because the Lord likes to hear a certain unique sound that only you can bring. Your praise is uniquely special to God. And the message from your mouth is uniquely special to this world. So when you choose to accept who he made you to be, who you are, the good, the bad, the ugly, listen, let love abound. Love you some you because that's what he says for us to love ourselves so that we can love our neighbors. Father, thank you for every individual in this room right now. I thank you for who you've made them to be how valuable they are, how they are loved by God. And I pray tonight, Lord, that some of, some of them who have been struggling in this very area, God, who have been dealing with despair, who have done the comparison game, who can't seem to get past what they did or what they said, that tonight, Lord, they take a step forward in faith and let the old be where it is behind them and live in the right now, the new. I thank you right now that you have forgiven us of all of our sins. You have made us, not by works of righteousness that we've done, but by your mercy. <laughs> you have made us alive in Christ, new creations, children of Almighty God. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. I just thank you right now, right now, every every weight of condemnation and shame is being whew, removed. And the joy of the Lord, the effervescence of God, hallelujah, is bubbling up in their spirits, their souls, Lord. Thank you right now for healing and restoring. Hallelujah. I thank you that this is a people who know who they are. They know their God and they are strong and they will do exploits in the earth in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father God, that you've made everyone in here a light. Wherever they are, God, they are the light there in their community, in their neighborhood, in their family, on their job. I thank you, Father God, that the light that is in them will shine brightly for the glory of God. Thank you, Lord. We look to you tonight as our source of strength and hope always. And we thank you for your amazing grace. It is your grace that has saved us. <laughs> it is your grace that has brought us out of the darkness and into your marvelous light. It is your grace that has opened us full access to every good thing from God. Hallelujah. Let the peace of God now guard every heart and mind here. I thank you, Lord, that you go with your people. Wherever they go, you're with them because you are Christ in them, the hope of glory. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you in Jesus' name 
that the power of your love, Lord, will cast out all fears and anxieties and worries in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm encouraged. I hope you are too. Amen. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and all of your house and give you peace in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.